My name is Mark Langworthy, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, BJ, and Jessica talk about Blades in the Dark. In the news, teases for the D&D 50th anniversary product line, Critical Role sells out Wembley Arena and announces a charity stream, a Dungeons & Dragons educator giveaway, and more, plus a brand new sketch about a trio of ghosts discussing haunting methodology. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Frog Eyes Incorporated. Need ingredients for your latest potion, oil, elixir, ointment, filter, tincture, or tonic? Frog Eyes has the region's widest selection of beetle stings, newt's ears, troll blood, crocodile tears, dragon thorns, fairy wings, gnat warts, horse antennae, jabberwocky breath, and cheese. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is... PJ Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, I am delighted to be here with us. Some say that she makes herself look big to intimidate virus. Others, that it's just a poncho. All I know is it's the one! It's the only! It's... It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing, in my third week of this stupid cold, making my voice sound weird and making me grumpy. Hmm. But the virus is suitably intimidated by the way that you hold your arms up in the air while you're plagued yes uh for listener context i was explaining to uh <laughs> to peter and russ that i was still ill and did a weird arm thing and they fixated on that so but in fairness Jokes are always better when you explain them yes i'm also a bit sick and delirious so in fairness that's my defense <laughs> but nevertheless yes. i am here yes. to talk about news and things that what be happening in ttrpg Okay, so let's, let's do some do of that in, shall we? Yes! Let's do oh, some of that! Sorry. Has anyone been near Wembley Stadium recently? No. No, I haven't been able to get anywhere near it. It's all the Critical mm-hmm. Role fans. Yeah, well, about, about 12,000 people were certainly near Wembley Stadium the other day. Well, in fact, in Wembley Stadium, watching Critical Role, which sold out... Um, Wembley Arena, sorry, not Wembley Stadium. Wembley Arena being next to Wembley Stadium. Yeah. That would be uh, an even bigger feat. But, yeah, yeah, I was about to yeah, say, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh... <laughs> It's like, how do you sell out a 60,000-seat uh, venue with 12,000 people? Yeah, no. Everybody so, booked. But Wembley Arena is 12,000 anyway. So, uh, Wembley yes. Arena, which is next to Wembley Stadium. Still good. Still good. Not still, doing the great yeah, 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 but yeah, it is a yeah, large yeah. difference. It is. Well, you see the pictures of it, though. It is insane. It is just so many people there watching. 12,000, yeah. And, and actually, you know, just watching some people playing D&D. It's like, Wow. I think it's yeah. I think it's good. It speaks to the hobby because obviously there's a niche of people that play tabletop RPGs. Then there's mm. a percentage of those that play D and D. There's a percentage of those that watch actual plays, and then a small percentage of those that watch Critical Role, and then a percentage of those that are physically able to go to this location to watch it. So there's so mm. many levels of niche in there, and yet even with all those levels of niche, there's still twelve thousand people present. So yeah, I think it speaks to the volume and the growth in the hobby. 
Yeah. But it also oh. speaks to the strength of Critical Role, because, you know, I don't think anyone... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if we try to do it, we get 12 people. How many people turn uh, up? 12? That that, we didn't have that many coming Woo! to our podcast reporting around. <laughs> 12 would be lofty heights. <laughs> I, I, I think we had about 12, but yeah, it wasn't, we're not on the same order I think of magnitude. It was like seven, seven. I think it was seven. And then no, the eighth, that. I don't no, think it was. No, it was more than that. Yeah. Are, are we was counting it? my mates that turned up to support us? Yes. Are we counting yeah, us? <laughs> but we're not counting the person that walked in and said, what is this? We told them and they left. Two people did that. Yeah, Two I know. <laughs> what Although, is this? Oh, disgusting. <laughs> I'm choosing to believe that they were looking for something else opposed to yes. just, just scouting around, seeing what's available and being like, no. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, critical role, 12,000 people. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't know what to say about that because I haven't. Yeah, I didn't I mean, go. It, no, no, I didn't go either. But it is a good. It's like it's like all over social media. There's pictures. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's videos. Like there's a there's a song they sing in Critical Role that, and there's like twelve thousand people singing along to it. And yeah, a little intro song. It's incredible. Nice. I like that. I like. I think yeah. RPGs have always had a community vibe to them because it's an inherently social thing because you sit around and create a story together. So this yeah. is just an expansion on that as well. Yeah. Talking about Critical Role, they're doing a um, charity live stream for Red Nose Day. I think, yeah. is American Red Nose Day different to different date? It's the same. Ours is in March. Ours is in yeah, March. exactly. Theirs is in yeah. November, but same concept, right. using exactly. comedy I was to like, raise. I was, mildly, I was mildly confused by that. Yeah, okay, so using yeah. comedy uh, to raise funds for charity yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that is the similar. Um, that is yeah. That is in November twenty eighth. A live thing at five pm Pacific. A special fundraiser where you call the shots, which is kind of fun. So you you they they do polls for things that are going to happen in the game, and you vote with your donation dollars to determine what happens. Yeah, it's a nice way to encourage donation. That's... Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a standard model, but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah, I've seen it before, but yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Um, Critical Role is doing that, and that's cool. Well, let's let's go from the extremely big to the other end of the scale. Uh, we have that one Bed of the bugs. few bits of... Yes, exactly. Uh, one of the few things that we... You're going to be impressed by how I turn this segue into... Uh, to bedbugs. Talking about bedbugs. Uh, talking about bedbugs. And quite frankly, so will I, because I was going to talk about the fact that we have... One of the few pieces of feedback we receive on this podcast, apart from the fact that you're clearly into it in some fashion, is that uh, we don't talk enough about the OSR movement and the various things. So one of the things I found was a free adventure for the OSR, which also supports um, the Khan, which is a a little microsystem. It's available under Creative Commons, and it's called Born into Black Knights. So there you go. Free to pick up on uh, itch.io link in the show notes how is Absolutely. it related to bedbugs because it's set in the small town of bertram's grove where people have been tortured by bedbugs oh right no. similar to paris Sorry. not met not yeah exactly uh no no paris is the nightmares of evil and dead and terrifying ghosts okay. well, i got that the wrong way around anyway moving on what else is in the news so last week we were talking about project black flag and their srd was up so it gives an alternative for people wanting to do 5e stuff, but not wanting to use Wizards of the Coast stuff. Uh, so yes. also, the system reference document, it's been an ongoing project, but for Level Up Advanced 5th Edition, all three mm. core, books materi- core rulebook material is now up on AFIV SRD, which has over 1,200 pages of open content Woo. that people can use with OGL, 
or Creative Commons, the pick, the license of your choice. Um, For quick comparison, right? Mm-hmm. The Wizards SRD is about 400 pages. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Flag one is about 120 pages, I think. Yeah. And ours is 1,200 pages. Look, all I'm going to say is, like, I'm not an experienced or amazing designer, but people seem to really like my stuff. And you know what I attribute it to? I attribute it to having the A5e tool set because it just makes it all so much easier. So if you're a fifth edition designer, like, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. But you do you. If you want to go clunking around with your 120-page document or your 400-page document, you do you. I have 1,200 pages and loving it. Yeah, well, the thing is, because 5e is basically a subset of A5e in that context... You can make well, no, you know what I mean because no, it's like yeah, there's a food for the podcast show. I, no, I no, stand by you it. You know what I mean. You should have seen. I, I do know what you mean. It's a shame this isn't a visual medium because all of our minor <laughs> Peter's faces were just like that emoji. You know, what you can imagine I mean. the emoji our faces were. The rules of five E are contained within the SRD. I knew the A five E SRD. I knew you meant. The way you phrased it was just perfect. I love that. I just loved it. It's normally have a me that would say that sort. Thing mm. and this be reined in. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, no, anyway, no. no. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, I mean, technically, it is true. The, but the point I was trying to make was yes. you could use RSID to make five E stuff, not just a five E stuff. So, oh, yeah, if you want to make a five E product, you yes. can use RSID, and you will have access to a lot more tools and useful stuff than you would have just using the core five E SRD. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh <laughs> but, yeah. Oh yeah. Completely. But I came out yeah. completely wrong. But I mean, that's what uh, I was trying to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's true. It's like, yeah, basically, I, I thought that's what I'd said, but clearly I wasn't very clear. But no, it's true. It's like, if you're doing something for 5e, it's much easier because mm. you, you've you got the tools. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I don't really know how else to say it. I've been banging on about it for ages. Don't, don't pay attention to me. I'm just a fanboy. What can I say? One thing I, I do want to say is that people online, I noticed some people talking about level up advanced edition because some people are discovering it. Because in fairness, it was only retail mm. published last year. Uh, and they were using A5E SRD, which is the site that has the SRD on, to like learn the rules and pick it up from it. But I do want to say that if you are looking to learn the rules and look up specific things for level up advanced edition, we do also have a tool site, which is A5E.tools. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, I question myself. I mean, so, because I, I think there was yeah. some confusion because people were talking about online, they're like, it's not the best for this. And I was like, well, because we have a tool site for that, which is different from the system reference document. I mean, in theory, yes, you could the use... The system reference yeah, document yeah. is a developer tool. Yes. Uh, the yes. Tools, the A5E yes. tool site is a player-facing yes. reference tool. They're or two if you're different a G- things. Yeah, two if you're a GM. Yeah. So I just wanted to be clear about that because I saw some people talking about them on- online and... I, I, I mean, you can use A5e.tools in the first instance. Yeah. You just want to make sure that you're quoting stuff from the Adventurer's Guide, the Trials and Treasures, and the Monstrous Menagerie. You can't use A5e.tools. But well, you can use it to find stuff. In place of an SRD. Because no, I mean, yeah. it contains so much stuff in there that we haven't mm. put in the SRD. Fair so, enough. But we are... And you could, you could very accidentally start using stuff you, you haven't right. got access to if you did that. Oh, uh, okay. No, no, fair enough, yeah. 60 SRD then for that sort yeah. of thing, but yeah. for developing. I mean, as a developer tool, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you're if you're looking to play the game and learn it, uh, A5e.tools is good. Yeah. I mean, if you know how to play 5e, you know how to play A5e. It's not that different. Yeah, yeah but some people but anyway, are like, yeah. "What's the difference? What's the the cool things?" And beyond saying, "Well, yeah. pick up the starter box set, which will be going live on Backer Kit um, for the pledge manager next week, as soon as Backer Kit approves what I've done and checks mm. I haven't broken yeah. everything." Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, so yeah. I want to talk about D and D a little bit, if that's uh, 
thing we could do. Yes. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's what we've been doing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, there are two things, two D&D related things I kind of want to mention. One is yeah. um, something on the GM's Guild, a new manual of the planes. And the Ooh. other thing is there was at Game Holcon a panel um, this week, which was basically kind of a preview of stuff to come for D&D. And it was very hinty. So there's lots of sort of like um, speculation as to what what exactly is coming based on that panel. So mm. I've got some information on that also. So I was wondering, which of those two things would you like to do first? I don't mind, but when you're done with that, I also have some other D&D news. Cool. So I'll, I'll follow you after that. So okay. Peter, you, you, you pick the, the order. Yeah. Right, Manual of the Planes, DM's Guild, fan created thing, but quite a, a very professionally made fan created thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at 300 pages. And um, if you're familiar with the Manual of the Planes from previous editions, basically it's a book of planes and plane planar rules for for D and D. So it deals with the Great Wheel, describes all the different planes. It's got creatures, it's got magic items, it's got you know all the standard D and D stuff you would expect in a in a Manual of the Planes. Um, what was interesting, and I noticed a couple of people commenting on this also. I mean, it does look very good. Um, it does look very good, but it's not cheap. So it's a three hundred page yeah. PDF. Right. Okay. Um, it apparently has no art in it at all. Okay. And it's thirty thirty five dollars. Now I was just kind of wondering what you guys thought about that because no art and no no art. There's there's kind of pat, uh, yeah sort of patterns sort of thing, but not like graphic it is, like, graphic design yeah. graphical flourishes, but not art anywhere in it. So wow, that is a lot of book. It's three hundred pages. It's not a small yeah. book. But, I, yeah, I mean, but most RPG books are as long as they are because we put art in them, which is like the sort of default yeah. setting. So with art, that would probably be like a 600, 500 page book. So that's similar to like an adventurer's guide. Hefty. I don't know if it would double it, but maybe 400 page book. Maybe. Okay. All right. Maybe. Well, okay. Yeah, so, sure. no, it depends how much art you put in, I suppose. I mean, you can put no, enough no. art to make it a thousand page book. So, when you you're saying to, but... what, what, what do I think about that? Are you are you meaning the cost? In terms of the price, yeah. in terms of price, because I because I I've seen a couple of people kind of arguing about that a little bit online, and mm. I'm trying to think where what side of it I come down on. And I I feel that's a little high for me, and I I've always been a proponent of mm-hmm. fairly pricing. RPG products, and I always think RPG products aren't priced high enough, including yes. our own RPG products. Yes. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm not I'm not the person who would always go, you know, you shouldn't you it's shouldn't make high, PGS yeah. um, too expensive. But I just kind of feel like thirty five dollars for a book with no art is a little. It, it makes it it makes it harder. I'm not saying it's wrong, and just makes it a slightly harder sell for me. I think. I I mean, yeah, I'm very much of RPGs are not priced correctly for the work that goes in. Mm. I did hear a little puppy bark then. Uh, but anyway, mm. uh, it was very cute. Uh, it's probably not as cute for you the rest. No, it's much that. louder and more piercing at this end. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, so what do I think about the price of the book? $35 for a PDF. So generally, I don't think RPG books are priced correctly for the work that goes into them. Mm-hmm. As this book was priced at $35 for the uh, PDF, I would hope that means that the writers and developers and editors were paid fairly for their work and this is making it a viable product for that sense, especially seeing as there's no money gone into artwork for it. So I'd hope that is the case, that's what's going on. I imagine that is what's going on. So I think it's the maybe the price that RPG PDF should be, but I don't think the fan base and the con- customer base from a business perspective are prepared to pay that. Yeah, I, so I, don't I, think, I think you're probably yeah. right. 
If you concluded out, yeah. it would then, it would then be more than thirty five. So then, would you be we're looking at a fifty dollar PDF for that? Fifty or sixty dollar PDF for a, if, if it had art in it? Was that at that point? I'm kind of I I really am kind of like going ouch. Yeah, uh, I for mean, a PDF though, it's a it's a problem, isn't it? Because I don't have a great way to access PDFs. I'm sorry, Jessica, I was talking over you. No, Did no, you, you can. I, yeah, I mean, I've picked up a tablet. Because it was super cheap, I'm like, okay, this this is recommended, so I got it, and it's not bad for looking at PDFs, but I still find it a hard way to go to mm. learn stuff from it. Mm-hmm. And oh, 300 pages of text on a on a backlit screen, yeah, that, that's a lot of reading. Mm. I mean, for that price, I'd be looking to get a book, but that's just because I like physical books. Yeah, 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 but I mean, it's the profit margins as well. Like I mm. know. Like PDF, I know it's like zero cost to reproduce. Like your bit, well, not yeah. not zero, but yeah, you're like it, it's it's yeah, know, it's, it's it's high. It's high but, yeah, mm. it's it's a better profit margin than a book. Well, sure. you are giving fifty yeah. percent of that money to Wizards. the end on there. Yeah, so yeah. that that is a factor. So Maybe you can't have the price things a little higher there. Maybe that's why. If it wasn't on the DMs Guild, yeah. it would be half right. Yeah. I mean, it's a point of comparison, though. So that's a 300-page book with a PDF with no art. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sell a 600-page PDF with art mm. for $20, which is, you know... Bar stuff's too cheap, as we've talked about. Yeah, but... but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, I say too cheap. Loads of people will look at our prices online and be like, no, it's not. But this is the thing what I'm saying is the cost mm. to develop and create quality books and pay people fairly yeah. while you're yeah. doing it and yeah. what people expect to want to can pay for rpgs mm. there's a big canyon between those two Absolutely. things Absolutely. and i yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the industry does to to resolve that i think i really like yeah. it on itch where people price their products for what they price and they also do a community copy thing because i think that's yeah. a good thing because i do think rpgs should be for everybody and let people play them. And, and that's the beauty of A5E.tools for me as well. Because if you really can't afford to buy all the PDFs or the books for Level Up, you can go on there and see the rules. So it is mm. possible for you to play it without needing to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I get I mean, some people's a... finances, you know, but... In terms of prices of books, though, you know, we mentioned that Wizards books are going up in price. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Paizo's also just announced that their books are also going up in price. Oh, so, yeah. like... We- Mm. And and these are these are the prices that like I kind of feel are a fair price for those things. But then of course I have the disposable income where you know yeah. I'm, I'm okay I'm okay to pay that, and that doesn't necessarily represent everybody, does it? So I hate to drag up stuff like that we talked about before, but I think maybe it is time to bring it up again, which is that we've got to be cognizant that this actually excludes large proportions of the role playing game market mm. from being able to access this yeah. people in the global south. Having to buy stuff in dollars? Ooh. Mm. Very tricky. Very tricky. It's like, yeah, the exchange rates are not in their favour. There's there's basically one global price for the entire world, and that's it, mate. So if, mm. you, if you're trying to buy stuff in dollars, and dollars are not good for your currency, you are out of luck. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how one would solve this. It seems like it would be hard, but yeah. And... Um, yeah, and things like Kickstarter only services the global north. Yeah, mm. specific so, countries, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's like basically there is a large section of the role-playing game community designers who might have the best ideas in the world, and we will never mm. see it because they cannot afford to like get paid 
and bring it to us. Like mm. we've seen last Kickstarter, it was what about two years ago in showcasing global South games, and then that's it. It was like there we did a, we did a podcast episode on it, and now it's gone. So. And again, it's like people like that who live in the global south where things like if they got the English to access the level up documents, then yeah, there is a market. And it's just like getting a partnership or working or pitching to in publishing that could make a difference because like you know a fair pay, a fair rate of pay for like someone in America and a fair rate of pay for someone who lives in the global south is going to probably advantage the person in the global south a lot more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. I'll get off my get off my hobby horse. No, but that, climb down from my soapbox. No, that is part of the the pricing that you know things in the RPG industry that mm. we talked about before. We we've we've done episodes on this, but yes. Yeah. But yeah, mm. Paizo has increased their prices. We talked about that a bit last week, and the prices mm. are like between one and ten dollars, I think, between stuff. So mm. it does feel like a cost of living, cost mm. of living price increase. Sorry, words. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Paizo yes, are also doing other things as well. I know we're in the middle Ooh, of our yes. Wizards of the Coast thing. Do we, do we want to do a little side quest to Paizo before we continue back to d d If you like. Do you want sure. to do that? Um, well, they had they released their sustainability policy and we mentioned it briefly last week, but I didn't go into detail what the contents of that was. Um, but now, so I thought I'd share it because I think it's interesting. So they, uh, they are now using soy-based ink in all their products. Um, so that's meant to be an ecologically friendly ink. So it's not mm-hmm. like poisoning the world which is is nice uh and they're changing to psc certified paper and that means uh paper is it's a mix of new and recycled paper to do that uh but you shouldn't be able to tell the difference in the paper quality but it's it is more expensive to produce using that paper for somebody publishing but yeah it's trying to lessen the environmental impact and they're apparently making some sustainability changes to their shipping supplies as well which i haven't gone into the detail of but i will be because that interests me um but yeah i just thought that was interesting that as Paizo is one of the leading companies in industry, I think it's interesting they're making a really big leap to try and, yeah, do their sustainability thing. Hmm. So I just wear that out because I thought, yeah. cool. Yeah. I guess I guess going back to what we were talking about before, so basically it's not a $35 PDF, it's a PDF, it's a $17.50 PDF, but half the money is uh, going to drive through publishing and Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, I mean, you, you say that about any book in it, really, though, so... Mm-hmm. Depends on where you get it from. Well, any any book you buy physically, the, you know, a large proportion of that money is going to other people as well. So, like distributors and retailers and all this sort of stuff. So, I I guess it must be because people love that intellectual property, or maybe DMs Guild is. You know, have we ever looked at how big the market is on DMs Guild compared to Drive Through RPG? I think we might have mentioned it or something at some point, but I don't think we've ever done a deep dive of any kind. It'd be quite interesting to see like how much bigger it is because people keep on putting their stuff in DMs Guild. I'm like, that's absolute, absolutely a choice you can make, but it's a lot of your profit that's going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, what you get on DMs Guild is access to resources that you wouldn't have on Drive Through RPG, though. Yeah, which I guess for some people that is that is a, that is a draw. I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's the get, intellectual property would be the main thing. Yeah, you get that, but you also get logos, and you get trade dress, mm. and you get templates. Uh, like, and, you, you yeah. see a lot of people using Wizards trade dress on products on DM's Guild. That's totally fine. Yeah, You're allowed yeah. to do that outside DM's Guild. You can't go copying another company's trade dress. I know it happens all. I the see time. people doing it though, Const- and I'm like, oh, I know, I know Wizards yeah. doesn't seem to do anything about it. So I guess you know, but you know, you see, you see it. They people use home brewery and then yeah, um, publish yeah, yeah. books using that, and it's like. You're copying someone else's trade dress. You can't. You can't do that. But you know, trade dress. In case you've just tuned in for the first time, 
is basically the look and feel of the book. Is that mm. about right, Russ? Yeah. So it's like you've got the fonts and like the style. And yeah, basically when you open up a book from a publisher, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know who that is. Mm. And like, I recognise Ian Publishing's trade dress because I keep on opening your books. Uh, mm. They're very nice ones too. I know what a Wizards of the Coast book looks like. Uh, so yeah, it's like when you, when you open a book and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know who this is by without seeing it. Cause you Pretty much. That's the idea yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like so, if you're if you're if there's, there's a light fine line between imitation. Yeah. Like yeah, mm. I'm slowly evolving my own based on my choice of fonts. Uh, but let's not talk about that. That's yeah. just embarrassing. Yeah, but it's also things like the covers. <laughs> you know that red swash that um, D and D books have. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, things like that. that. I mean, that's all trade dress. You can't just yeah. well, people do and wizards don't do anything about it. So I suppose you can. But well, we should, wizards, be careful though, because you know wizards are currently not doing anything about it. Yeah, and wizards will never do anything about it are not the same statement. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you, t- you you made that point to me. I'm like, that is a damn good point. And especially after the events of this January, I'm like, huh, well, you know, that's a uh, double, double warnings to me to stay away from that. Cause yeah. I don't want to be in the people uh, sites. Doing, people have been doing that for like, since 5D came out though. So, and we yeah, just yeah. haven't done anything about it in that time. I yeah, suspect but... they, they're not that bothered by it. Did any of us expect January 2023? No, 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 true, no, true, true, true. No. We expected that. <laughs> Bringing us back onto the rails of this oh, conversation, yes. Russ, you had two. Ooh. You have two bits of D and D news, I believe. I, I, You've I, only oh, told yeah, us got one. one. Okay, we've got another one. Yeah. So, so Game Holcon being a convention in that yes. there America place, oh. which takes place every year, and there was a panel going on there, and Chris Perkins and some other Wizard of the Coast folk were on this panel. And um, they talked a little bit about D and D and what's 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 happening with over over the coming years. So it started off apparently there was just it was, it was a bit of fun. There was a trivia game challenge and stuff like that, and people were having a bit of a laugh. And then they sort of like did did sort of a sort of a presentation on the five E DMG and the five E Monster Manual and stuff like that, which kind of stuff we'd seen before. Not not all. There might be a few bits and pieces. Of information, but generally stuff we kind of know what they're doing with those. Um, things like you know they're getting all new art, a few new spells, things like that. Um, so for example, that like the DMG, some of the new stuff is going to have handouts and tools that uh, help you organise and build your campaign. Yeah. A tutorial on how to build a campaign. There's going to be new magic items to fill in more of the uh, rarity niches, and all the uh, 1980 cartoon series magic items are going to be in there too. Monster Manual is going to have more high-level creatures. This is all stuff we've kind of mentioned before, though, I think, um, in bits and pieces over the months. Oh, when you're saying that, I'm, like, thinking, oh, I really want Hank's bow. Uh, yeah, well, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, well, it was just something iconic. Uh, if, if Jessica's, like, just giving me a look saying, oh, you old person. I was, well, I was like, who's Hank? Do you have permission to take their bow? It is Hank Green? the dungeon. The night. <laughs> Bless your little millennial heart. No, no, Hank the Ranger from the D&D 1980s cartoon. Okay. Uh, who basically had a bow that didn't have a bowstring, but when he drew it, it grew like a magical golden energy string and let him shoot magical arrows. Lit. Uh, at the, yeah, basically. It, it was actually one of the cooler things that I've seen. Um, mm. I'm, I'm down for this. That does sound good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they do a good fist of it because, woof. That was a heather. What, what were the other ones? So he had the bow. The wizard had the presto had the hat. Yeah. Uh, um, t- Bobby t- the yeah. barbarian had the big club, which he whacked into the ground and caused earthquakes with. Yeah. Eric the cavalier had the shield, which magic shield. Yeah. Big dome of force. Mm-hmm. 
was it Sheila? Bobby's sister was the thief and she had the cloak of invisibility. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think we've already got one of those in D&D. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, one of the more interesting ones was, I think it was, I, in, I want to say Teela? No, that's a different character. But like the, the acrobat lady. Diana, she had the, was it Diana? Diana, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. She had like the extendable uh, acrobat yeah. baton. Which went from very small. Uh, that's kind of Monkey Journey to the West style thing. So that was pretty cool, but less made of solid steel. Um, mm. <laughs> and who else was there? Um, I think we covered them. No, that's, no that, was it. that was them. Yeah, and we had Uni, who was there to be a unicorn. He was a little unicorn, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. That's doing enough. Uh, yeah. She sounded like a sheep, though, so, you know. <laughs> True. <laughs> Maybe she's like, I, I think it was not a nay. I'm just saying. Oh, anyway, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so that was all kind of stuff we kind of already knew about. But okay. there's some there's some hints, okay. and these right, this is speculation as to what is coming, okay. and, these, uh, and there are kind of hints at things, and this may or may not be true. Do not. This is not. This is not news now. This is speculation. This is gossip time. And this is me reporting on someone else's speculation who was there at this panel because I was not. So they basically came away from this panel and said, from what they were saying at the panel, these are the things I think they're making. Oh, I love a bit of speculative gossip. Let's do it. But I might be wrong. Spill so, the tea. Okay. Um, so first is a uh, an endless stare adventure. So the endless stare was. I want to say 1980s. I never played it, but I've just, I'm vaguely aware of its existence. It's a short this adventure from the 1980s, and there's these stairs that go up to a throne or something. I, I can't remember exactly, but maybe some people will be more familiar with it. But a book or adventure connected to the endless stair is one uh, bit of speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is there's a lot of hints towards the Rod of Seven Parts. And there have been mm. adventures about that in the past. And traditionally, those are adventures where you pick up, you collect bits of the rod from different places. So it's a very good sort of like travel adventure type, fetch quest type thing. There's a suggestion about that. There are apparently some hints that might lead one to believe Expedition to the Barrier Peaks might be a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that was the crashed spaceship, if I recall correctly. Yes, that's right. It sort of got Lovecraft overtones mm. in that... Like you go to a place and you're like, oh wow, there's a there's a journey here, and then mm. yeah. But I think it'd be interesting to see if they actually update it because a lot of the a lot of the conventions at the time, which was basically you go into a room, is there anything there? No, it's empty. Okay, mm. we'll go to the next place. You go into a room, is it? Is there anything there? No, it's empty. Repeat many mm. many times, and mm. that 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 is like that sort of thing. Maybe you could do back in the day but nowadays we've got smartphones and quite frankly i'm not prepared to sit still and gm it so i don't see why we're playing should be forced to sit mm. through it yeah Sorry. there you yeah. go yeah i mean in that in that sort of scenario i think it's a lot easier just to say you pass through an area with like a, a bunch of sort of empty storerooms and stuff nothing of note before you come across you know you don't have to yeah. describe each room individually you just I you, think you montage it in the rule book you do have to describe each room every room yeah. individually and every, every last time detail. they go to a yeah. door you say so sorry are you saying you touch the door and open it <laughs> tell me how you touch the door yeah <laughs> ooh. ooh ooh like that wait so, wait wait you're opening the door and you're just standing in front of it. Is, is that right? Uh, are you go, sure that's what you want to do? And then go, okay, roll some dice. And then just roll a dice and behind then, the And then go, <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. if you're sure. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah, we, I we, love doing we, that we, running games. Just roll some dice occasionally just to increase fear and power. We're going to need the content warning on this episode 
just to like let people know warning there may be uh triggers for like mm. extremely bad dming yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well you say extremely bad dming i like doing it so i just love an occasional yeah carry on. <laughs> anyway yeah so the the last bit of speculation was and i don't even know how you pronounce this word it's, just, it's a word that i've seen written down many times but it's a fantasy word with like like consonants next to each other and stuff. I'm like, not gonna judge you. I'm very dyslexic. Say it constantly. So I'm gonna go Sojanth, but it is okay. spelled T S O J C A N T H. Lost caverns of. I don't. So I wouldn't know how to pre- approach that. Like, like got a T S, so that's more of a t- sound. Yeah, yes. I guess. And then a J C. I, I don't know. Look, people are going around with their whole faces saying sigil instead of sigil. So, for I know, it could be like Terence. Lost Caverns of Terence. I yeah, like right, that. That's what it I would. So the, Lost Caverns, the Lost Caverns of Terence yep. is uh, is another guess. And that, of course, was like a, a, a 1980s module again, which just has like mm-hmm. caverns with stuff going on in them. And like, I think there's a vampire or something at the bottom or something or a devil or something. I can't remember. But um, yeah, so that, that's that's that. So they're, they're the guesses. So End of Stair, Water Seven Parts, Expedition to Barrier Peak, Terence. <laughs> So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but but like yeah. I said, it's all all speculation. Yeah, yeah. all speculation. <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds all interesting enough. So, yeah. bit a bit of nostalgia for people. Mm. Nostalgia always good market. Yeah, there you go. That is the D and D news. Although, just you mentioned there was another bit of D and D news. I do a bit of D and D news. So, if you are an educator in As we all the are. northern parts of Americas, ah, okay. Uh, D&D, they're doing a programme there. So they partnered up with this website called adoptaclassroom.org and they're basically uh, people, if you're an educator, it's for grades 4 to 12. So if you're an educator for that level, so that's if you're a teacher or librarian or some form of educator, I think that they're using it as an umbrella term for many different things. So maybe it could be after school clubs or or whatever. Have a look, see if you count. Uh, If you have a profile on adoptaclassroom.org, you can sign up. Uh, to this to apply and they're going to pick 200 of these people to send a big bundle of D&D books to uh, so Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guides, Monster's Manual, Candlekeep Mysteries D&D Essential Kit, uh, Token Cases, uh, After School Club Kits D&D Starter Set, so like a big bundle of stuff um, plus a $100 grant for you to spend on other things that you might need uh, yeah and they're doing that for 200, uh, 200 educators so if you are cool. in North America and an educator and you're using uh RPGs, D&D, and in some way as part of your education. For young people, you can apply there. And you, mm. the deadline is 31st of October, so it is pretty soon. Uh, but adoptaclassroom.org, so you can go on there to sign up, have a look, and see if you fit the criteria and apply. Mm. Yeah. Or there's A5E.tools, which is free. Yeah, but there's yours, but we're not giving you $100. <laughs> if no, you go to free. A5E.tools, we're not going to give you $100, just to be clear. Um, a- absolutely, but it's free, and none of your students will have to pay to get their own copy of the book. Well, this is... It would donate the the books to them so they could use this bundle. Oh, get them while they're young. Yeah. Give me a boy before he is seven and I will show you the man. Anyway. Exactly. But anyway, decks of of many things and we were saying that there were third-party ones and stuff. Oh, there is one this week, yeah. There's um, one on Kickstarter. It's actually only got six days to go, so um, it's been been around for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's called the Fable Maker's Deck of Many Things. It's made... I mean, this is given given that wizards are bringing out the deck of many things mm. right now. Um, this is like in direct competition with it, so I, I think it's quite a brave choice to do. But um, it's made like nearly well two hundred eighty four thousand dollars. So, 
345,000 uh, no, $345, $284,000. Okay. $345,000. It's going to make about half a million dollars. Nice. It's got six days to go. I, I for... mean, you say brave, bloody inspired is well, how yeah. I describe that. I guess, yeah. 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 $340,000. Yeah, so it's a, yeah, so they're making the, you know, their own decimating things. This is Hit Point Press, who's done a few million dollar Kickstarters before and stuff. They, they do do very well. Is it with very, those. very pretty artwork as well, I imagine? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, and there's like extra stuff you can get with it, and books, and mats, and pins, and bags, and you know, because they, they do an awful lot of the merch stuff but with their Kickstarters. It's also coming down to a nice prop, like we talked about last week, isn't it? It yeah. sounds like a nice physical thing that you can put in your, and have in your game. Yeah. Good yeah. props and realia. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, but just looking at it, it's like a PDF ten dollars of it of the decimony things, or you can get the actual thing for twenty five dollars. Wow. Um, which is a regular edition, and there's a one with a hollow foil for fifty dollars. Wow. That's really reasonable. Damn. Well played, lads, well played. Um, yeah. 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 I mean yeah. When does that kick off? Good timing, around? I guess. Six days, very soon. Six days. Uh so that would be the second of November. If that's in six days, then yes. Yes, I've just yes. made Because okay. today's the 27th, so okay. hopefully. Yeah, so, uh, my Kickstarter's ending next week. Oh! Um, yes, yes. Uh, it will end at four o'clock. Um, so hopefully you'll be able to... On, a, on to Tuesday? On Friday. On Friday, on Friday, okay, sorry. Yes, because I thought it'd be nice to like end the podcast. Oh, I see, it's going to end... Oh, right, gotcha. Oh, yeah. 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 oh, I thought I'd check it. We'll have a live I, Kickstarter ending on the podcast. Nice. Yeah, I thought it I thought it'd be nice, you know. Um, nice. Yes, I'm. I'm just uh, busy laying out a sample of the rules for sports because that is actually. Uh, I mean, sports in D and D is a very underserved topic, and my collaborator that I'm working with, Dave Clark, is a massive sports nerd as well as a massive D and D nerd. Nice. Uh, fair play, fair play to Dave. It's like it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm just laying that out, and I'll be putting that on Drive for RPG, and then posting links on places like the Ian World forums and discords and so forth in my usual slapdash and hey, look at the look nice. at this fashion. But no, it's 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 pretty pretty good actually. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. I'm just hoping that we'll be able to afford the get get the stretch goals to like actually be able to develop it fully. And if not, I'll probably help him develop it for his own stuff. But I'd love to get this in the book because it's yeah, it sounds cool. It's kind of pretty. Yeah, and it just adds, adds a certain, I don't know, very similitude to a world. We've got sporting mm. events. Because I've never played in the world of a sporting event. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. there's been, it, it fits. like, village competitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, village fair competitions. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I think it fits your theme very well as well. Because, like, the Olympian yeah. sport... Because I know it's, it's not, you know, Olympian, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not ancient Olympus and so yes, forth. It's but... Similar, it's, a pa- it's got apparel. that vibe. So the idea that they yes. would have some sort of sporting things. And also, like you say, it's very common for people's characters to have athletic skills. So it's likely that yeah. in their background, they did play a sport or do something which has made them yeah. a heroic and adventurer. The, and I'm role-playing, so I want to pretend I'm somebody that's good at sports. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I mean, they're, they're, this is like just the sort of a snippet which we're sort of looking at, but I mean, there is a lot of potential for scope and building your own sports in a game, mm. and that sounds like incredibly good for making a culture. Like I say, this this is like a, honestly quite exciting. A Cabotoss or something like that. Yeah, Cabotoss swimming events. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a lot of underworld, un- underworld, underwater cultures. Mm. Oh, okay. Like uh, things like the Inter Islanders, people who live between islands. So include magic in sports as well in a D and D world as well. So it it is <gasps> oh. funny you should mention that. Yeah. Players are expected to are expected to use cantrips to win. This is not cheating, it's what the gods do. 
Okay, fair. Literal quote from the document that I'm laying out now. Mm. <laughs> now, I mean, this is probably going to take me about half an hour after the podcast finishes, sadly. Uh, but I will definitely be uh, spamming it everywhere because, you know, how I roll. I have an idea. I like to share it with everyone. Everyone, yeah. yay! Mm. <laughs> Have you want to talk about finances? Oh, yes, go on then. The finances of Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. Ah, I see. You're not you're not going to expect me to lend you a turn then. Okay, good. Uh, that too, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, Hasbro's fortunes have been declining a bit recently as a whole. Yeah? Not... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we've mentioned this in the, the various quarterly mm. reports, yeah. 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 Um, so, in the latest, the, the latest uh, quarterly report, Hasbro's declined another for this th- for the third quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, has declined another ten percent as a whole. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's the whole of Hasbro. So all the toys and the Transformers and yeah, Monopoly. Yeah. It's everything that they do, yeah. not just. Um... Mm-hmm. However, Wizards of the Coast toy sales drop in a. We're to- it's totally. I can't believe it's not called a recession. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Wizards of the Coast. Is up 40%. Like, this is in terms of profitability. Is that right? It's revenue. Revenue. It's up 40%. Nice. So they earned 120 million more in quarter three of this year than they did in quarter three of 2022. Well, it's not 120 million, it's 120 million more than they did in that same quarter last year. So I'll say, without fear of successful contradiction, that they made more money than last year than the entirety of the rest of the role playing game community. Well, yeah, they would have yeah, done well, that. Yeah, I think they've been doing they... that like, for a <laughs> very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I, just like to, just... I just like to throw that in for context just for people to say, yeah, yeah, the excess profit from last year, not not the core money that they made, but the excess profit is still more than everyone else. Everyone mm. else combined. Mm. Like, all your big names, we like we had to go. Oh, but I suppose they got magic in there as well, don't they? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's yeah, magic yeah. the gathering okay. as well. Ah, your cardboard crack. That's gonna, that's gonna yeah. do. That's gonna sell some yeah. boxes, shift some boxes. Yeah, yeah. Go on, yeah, but, yeah. Well, let's have a look. So, tabletop gaming went up eighteen percent, with Magic the Gathering twenty percent. So, Ooh. they were both increased approximately equally. You know, in the same in the same ballpark there. Wow. But the big thing was apparently digital gaming is what really is responsible for that because you know what came mm. out in quarter three this year, Baldur's Gate three. Oh, oh, oh! Does that count? Mm. Oh, so wow. you earn a lot of money from that. <laughs> and that yeah, made the I mean, digital gaming segment more than double yeah i mean people have been i i, I cannot avoid borders if i unfortunately i like borders gate free if i didn't like borders gate free i would be having a terrible time right now because it is inescapable i mm. love it it's become a large part yeah. of my identity could it be the way that you're playing it every wednesday i'm, <laughs> I'm live streaming it every wednesday i'm yeah. this week i didn't play my own game on tuesday uh but every other day i play every day even if it's at least an hour i'm in act three and i have a lot of big feelings about it wow well, remember if you or someone you know has been affected by Borderscape free addiction oh my you can reach out for my help partner I, still, I still haven't come back to it after my that partner crash. is fully <laughs> abandoned uh for this game and accepts that so that's oh. they were invited to play as well but they've chosen not to so it's on them they're fine uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> I imagine they have made a lot of money with Baldur's Gate. And if they decided to do DLC for Baldur's Gate, Ooh. I bet they would make so much money with that. Because I'm hearing... I haven't finished the game yet, but yeah. I heard a lot of people mm. have and are on their like second, third playthrough. And I know a lot of people are saying more. I would absolutely pay more for like another little expansion area with a few extra adventures, mm. you know. 
And I, I, yeah, I, I feel I feel you're missing the obvious trick, which is of course the fan-made creation. Well, there is. Can you imagine there that is, would just well, that's already exists. That. There's a big modding mm. community as well with stuff. Yeah, but so. being able to make your own like adventures. And oh right. Oh like yes. It. Sorry. Yeah, Neverwinter's Night. Neverwinter yeah. Nights. That that just had like immense staying power long past the original game. Yeah, just because people thing, were like. Yeah, yeah, because people could make their own adventures in it. They could mm. run, they could run, I mean, if you could run d and uh, yeah. And I imagine oh, oof, maybe biggest. that's what D&D's VTT plan kind of is. Because if you look at it, the the perspective of it, it, did, it doesn't look like Baldur's Gate, but you know what I mean? Like, it was a detailed environment that you could build your own stuff, and it wasn't a million mm. miles away from that. So I wonder if they're trying to ease people in from Baldur's Gate 3 to playing on their VTT, because it will have that sort look, of... Look similar. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I wouldn't. Mm, maybe then that they won't produce the opportunity to make your own like sort of little dungeons and that because it would be a direct competitor. I'll be honest, probably quite a lot better mm. than a three D virtual tabletop. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think the timing's right for that. Anyway, the virtual tabletops could be around for years yet, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. Well, these things take time, and um, yeah. and you mm. know, I've got a. I'm only in my first playthrough of Baldur's Gate three, so I've got time to play it through as all the different classes. Yeah. Um, Good, evil, and all the different combinations of, you know, yeah. yeah. It's such a great right. game. I had a conversation with a hamster yesterday, like, just, what game? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, Baldur's Gate 3 has probably helped those numbers then, is what we're hearing. Yeah, sorry. Sidestep. Yeah. You yeah. start talking about Baldur's Gate yeah. 3, I went for it. <laughs> I can go into detail, and I will. I will go into heavy yeah. detail. <laughs> Well, let's start two big things this year. was like Baldur's Gate 3 and the D&D movie. The D&D movie didn't do as well as I hoped, I imagine. But Baldur's Gate 3 really has taken off. Timing. Yeah, I think it was around the whole OGL thing, so everyone had a bit of a bad taste in their mouth about... Yeah. And people are less keen on going to the cinemas and being crowded public spaces. Yeah. That's entirely legit. We went there. I mean, I I, I am... Yes, yes, I know. I ended up going three times. Oh. I went with you. I went with another lot and I went again. Oh. It was good. I enjoyed myself, but it's, it, that's quite a lot of times. <laughs> once yeah. once, once is enough for me. It's, uh... Yeah, I saw it. I, I, I went due to social obligations, but I enjoyed it when I went mm. because I picked up new things and saw bits that had bothered me. And I was like, oh, no, no, I know why they're doing it now. So okay. it was really good. And it just... I'm still seeing people talk about how good it is that now. Be, that might be the last time I went to the cinema, actually. I did enjoy Ooh. it. I enjoyed it when we watched it. It was good. I would probably yeah. watch it again on a streaming service if it was on. Like, yeah, yeah. It's on streaming service. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's to be, you have to pay for it, though. On a streaming service oh. that you own. I probably won't. I won't pay. For, like, I've seen it on things that I don't own, so I'd have to pay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not wanting to do that. But if it was just on a streaming platform that I had, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's watch that. That'll be a, mm. a casual fun thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Hasbro overall profits are down because I think you know toys and games and things are a luxury and we're in a costume. They're not Barbie, are they? Mattel and Barbie. Oh right, no, yeah, it'll be, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I think they do some licensing stuff for Barbie, but I they Mattel role playing game when that's what we need to know, eh? Oh, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I am sure some publishing company is. Desperately trying to get that license right Why now. is that not us? And Mattel's going, role-playing games? What's that? Um, I think we're pretty much near the end of the news, but there was a, I think I want to quickly mention a Dungeons & Dragons novel coming out. Ooh. Oh, yes. Um, it, uh, well, I was going to say Dungeons & Dragons novels don't come out as much as they used to. The, the, there was the Dragonlance ones. The new one of those came out a while back. But this one is called The Fallbacks, Bound for Ruin, uh, by Jale Johnson, and uh, set in the Forgotten Realms... 
Um, and the fallbacks is the adventuring party, and they're uh, they're running around forgotten realms, having adventures Good and for them. stuff. Um, so, and that's coming out March the fifth, twenty twenty four. So, D yeah. novel about an adventuring party in the realms. Yeah, I mean, licensed. If if the idea of a role playing game party as the protagonist of a book really appeals to you, there is a lot of books out there like that. Just I did see someone seeing this news saying that um, Wizard of the Coast is copying Critical Role now. I was like, hmm. <laughs> it, would that be similar to you saying that you know what you were saying earlier about a five e s r d to the you know wizards? I I, I mean, is, that, is there a comparison? That is there? it. Uh, technically, the D and D rule set is a subset. <laughs> <laughs> like that is not that is not technically incorrect. But yes, I I yeah no. Um... <laughs> yeah, well, I was just like, oh uh, yeah, let me do about an adventuring party. Um, yeah, they're copying. Well, Chris, I was like, wait, that's... wait, 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 wait. This is they've been doing that for forty, fifty years. Like Dragonlance, come on. Like Drizzter Worden. Have you heard of Drizzter Worden? You know? I think a lot of people haven't actually. So that's the thing. I don't <laughs> think people listening to this podcast have, but yeah. yeah. I mean, to be mm. fair, I read the Dragonlance books. I had no idea it was about D and was like, it's another book. Wow, this is very cool. Yeah, they didn't um, brand them Dungeons and Dragons. And these are branded Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, they didn't yeah. back then, did they? they no, just... it, it said Dragonlance on the cover. Mm. And it was about a Dragonlance. I'm mm. like, well, this is very cool. There's a lot of characters. Well, that's, well, that's their branding now, though, isn't it? Because yeah, back yeah. then... Everything things, had its own brand. Yeah, yeah. like Forgotten Realms had its own brand. And Dragonlance had its own brand. Mm, and Spelljammer yeah. had its own brand. But now everything is branded Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And that's the brand. And they don't dilute that brand mm. with all the... You don't see all those like like, like the fifty different logos of all the different settings and all that sort of stuff ever now, do you? No. You just, yeah. You just see the D and D logo. Mm-hmm. So well, I do have one little bit of news to get in. I don't know if it's strictly eligible. So basically we have talked about AI on this show before and we have been mm-hmm. not entirely optimistic about things. Um so it is to my amusement and perhaps the delight of artists who listen to this uh, show to hear about the uh, <laughs> the work of a data poisoning exercise, yeah. which is where artists who uh, I put the th- I put the thing into the into show notes. Uh, it's an article from the MIT Technology Review about a tool called Nightshade. Mm-hmm. So basically, stuff like Dali, Midjourney, Stable Diffusion. They go through. They scrape a load of art off the internet. Mm-hmm. Blend blend it all up and then put out something that is not good. Apparently, what this does mm-hmm. is it makes the outputs considerably less uh, useful. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where humans look at it and say, "Oh, what a beautiful piece of art!" Um, but when you put nightshade on it, humans look at it and say, "What a beautiful piece of art!" AI models look at it and say, "Oh, okay." So dogs are basically cats now. Is that right? Okay, and then it just like completely wrecks their data set. Which I have to say, I find quite amusing. What, what, what's to stop the AI just not scraping Nightshade? Oh, uh, because Nightshade, you apply it to a piece of art, it changes mm. a pixel, Mm-mm. or a pixel's worth of data, and unless it's like clearly marked, this has Nightshade in it, don't scrape. Mm-mm. And also, that would require the scraping bots to pay attention to things like do not scrape notices, which they generally don't. Mm-mm. Then, uh, no. It's just going to scoop it up. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, that, I find it hilarious, as I say. It's like, oh, so you're going to scrap... Well, if you, weren't, if, you weren't, if you were asking permission to use it, you wouldn't have the problem. 
It's true. They're, they're, okay. It's got the same yeah. energy as people make putting art out there with Disney copyright stuff on and commenting, I want this on a t-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those bots that oh, do that. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. It has that same energy, and I, I, I like that. Mm. No, I, I, it, it's it's just a. It, I don't know how readily available it is, but they are moving to. Uh, they also developed Galate. This is from the team from uh, Ben Jow at the University of Chicago. Good professor. He's uh, also developed Glaze, which allows artists to quote mask their styles, prevent it from being scraped by our companies. Like I say, it changes the pixels of image in ways that are invisible to the human eye but manipulate the machine learning models to interpret the image as something different from what it actually shows. Nice. I mean, yeah. uh, love, to, love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, anyway, sorry, I thought I'd throw that in there because that's been making me cackle occasionally for the entire week. No, I do like that. Mm. But the thing is with the AI, yeah. it's not, I think people hear me talking about it, they think, mm. Jess is completely anti-AI. And it's not that I'm anti the concept because in the end, it's a technological yeah. tool that can be used. Yeah. But at the moment, I just don't think there's enough regulation to use it safely and ethically. And I, as a publisher, mm. don't know enough about yeah. it to hand on heart say, do you know what? I'm using this and I know that it's okay yeah. and it's ethical and it's fair. Yeah. It may become a time where things are done in a way that we can do that. We can say, hey, we know it's ethical, we know it's fair, we know it's sourced from here. If you could do things like that, then maybe that would be a different conversation. But we're not there yet. So for now, yeah. no thank yeah, you. I, I, I'm a big book nerd. Mm. I really like reading books. So when all my favourite authors are saying, hey, wait a minute, AI has scraped my stuff because we found yeah. like the book's free list... That makes me kind of mad yeah, on their behalf. That's not okay. Because you don't go into being an author to, like, you know, tabletop RPGs, writing books. You don't go into those to get rich. You go into those because you really love making stuff to make other people happy. And having their work just stolen without reference, without any reference to their copyright, is absolutely bang out of order. Exactly. So, yeah. as, we've ta- yeah. as we've talked about many times before, but... Yeah. As we talked about. But, it, I, but, do, I do acknowledge, for the people that, that listen to it and think I'm just anti it, I do acknowledge it's a tool yeah. and it can be used a certain way. I just think at the moment yeah. there's not enough safety features on said tool. Yeah, like it, it could be really good because it would save like a lot of effort. Anyway, sorry. We, mm. we've, we've litigated we this many times. Let's move on. We will move on. Yes. I think we're probably done with the news, aren't we? Yeah. Excellent. We're done with the news. I love being a ghost at this time of year. I know. It's so dark and, uh, dare I say, spooky. Fancy doing a little haunting? Oh, I'd love to. Oh, it's been ages since I did a good haunting. Me too. Let's do it. A spectre, a poltergeist and a banshee. We'll have such fun. Cool, cool. So, what did you have in mind? Oh, I thought I might throw a cup. Throw a cup? Not very ambitious, is it? Oh, well, maybe, like, knock a picture off a wall? That feels more mischievous than scary, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, I am a poltergeist. It's uh, it's kind of what I do. I am sure you'll do better than throwing cups and dislodging Pictures. Remember the great haunting of the 16th age? Oh, yes, that was a night every phantom shadow, ghost shade, and wraith in the land got in on it. Even the demons and the devils joined in. All those possessed people running around with spinning heads, spewing out naughty words. Such fun! Okay, okay, I get it. Cups and pictures are a no-go. I suppose I could... shut a door? Shut a door? I mean, hard like. I Slam it! <laughs> no, no, no. That's no good. You can do better than that. Well, what are you two doing? I mean, 
What about you, Banshee? I thought I might have a bit of a whale. A bit of a whale? That's the best you can do? Well, it is a very scary whale. Well, how scary? Pretty scary. Loud, too. Well, it is an improvement on throwing cups, I suppose. And pictures and doors. Well, and what about you, Spectre? Oh, I... I shall do an apparition. Ooh, ooh, what's, what's an apparition? Oh, it is super scary. I manifest as some poor soul's darkest terror right in their face. Oh, that's pretty. So you mean, like, if their darkest terror was being eaten alive by ants, you'd be like a ghostly ant? Um, I mean, sure. I was thinking more like that librarian in Ghostbusters, you know. Oh, hey, they were just moving books around, and that was plenty scary. What's the difference between that and throwing a cup? It's all in the delivery. What do you mean, the delivery? Well, they had creepy music and stuff. It was very atmospheric. Yeah, they weren't just flinging books around willy-nilly. It had pacing. Pacing? What on earth are you talking about? Look, my dear fellow, haunting is an art form. You can't just... Chuck a cup across the room and call it a day. Look, I'm starting to feel a bit put upon here. I can't do scary whales or apparitions. Moving things is my thing. It's what poltergeists do. What about uh, that one in the movie? What movie? You know, a uh, poltergeist. Yeah, well, that one totally moves stuff around. Well, yes, but it did it with such... <laughs> flair. Look, I'll have you know I have as much flair as the next spirit. I'll show you. I'll throw a, a, a piano or something. That's more like it. Fling a piano at somebody's head, that'll sk- And, and uh, I'll make a, a thing explode, like a... Like a... Ooh, like a baby. Uh, no. I'm not going to make a baby explode. Hey, what's wrong with you? Mm, I don't know just popped into my head. Oh, that's just sick. We're trying to haunt people, not commit gruesome murders. Yeah, the idea is to scare them. I'm just saying that an exploding baby would scare me. True, true. W- wait, no. Look, look, mate, I, I, don't, I don't think you're right for this gig. Not right? I am a bleeding spectre. How much more haunty can you get? Well, you could fling a cup. With flair. So, what are you saying? I think what we're saying is... You're out. Uh, so no haunting for you. You can't do that. Well, we can. Frankly, you disgust me. We have standards, you know. And exploding babies is just not on. Fine. Fine. See how you get on without me. <laughs> Rearranging cups and having a bit of a cry in the corner. Ooh, so scary. Um, it's a whale, not a cry. And it's totally scary. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trembling in my boots. Oh no, somebody's doing a whimper and the cups aren't in alphabetical order anymore. Well, A, that's books, not cups. And B, it's a freaking whale, not a whimper. It is nothing more than a sob. A whine, that's best. A little weep. It's never a blubber. A, a mule. That's it, I've had enough of you. We're off to do a good haunting. Yeah, without you. <laughs> See if I care, I'll go do my own haunting. We'll see who's scariest. I might manifest as a terrifying clown. Or a goose. Well, that got rid of them. Thought they'd never go. Ugh, haunting is such hard work. 
Halloween, Schmalloween, every year. Oh, it's all hard, this spook. That's so demanding. I feel like an elf at Christmas. Oh, yeah, they get it bad. And the Easter Bunny says he's had enough too. Ah, uh, we should form a club. A union. Go on strike. Demand better pay. <laughs> Any pay. Decent healthcare. Reasonable hours. Safer working conditions. No AI. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? So, so, today we are going to talk about a role-playing game. And this role-playing game is called Blades in the Dark. Oh, a role-playing game I've heard of. Even mm. better. Yeah. I think we've all three played it, haven't we? Yes. Yes. So we know what we're talking about. We well. are experts whoa, on Blades in the Dark. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just going to rain That level of expertise, that's, that's a... Yeah, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, was, I had not played it before, I reckon, this summer. Oh, okay. Um, so my first game of it was this summer, um, and I'm currently in another game of it just started now. So I've played it twice, basically. I, well, the first time was a campaign, so it was like six or eight sessions, and I played one session of a new campaign so far. So I played sort of like eight-ish sessions of Blades in the Dark, yeah, but all fairly recently. Yeah. So we thought we'd have a little chat about it and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because like it's very much a different style of game to D and D. Yes. Um, very, very different. So I, I just thought it might be interesting, just if we occasionally just like picked a game that wasn't you know, D&D, and sort of like delved into it a little bit, one that we've all played, and just sort of like talk about, you know, our experiences with it. Not a review, just, you know, our experiences with the game. I feel like yeah, you yeah. are ripping off my podcast, not D&D, with this idea, but that's fine, I'll go with it. But we were here first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that is different, because I interview the creators, and this is just, just talking about our thoughts, yeah. feelings, yeah. and experiences. But but in a sense, your podcast, Not D&D, is in fact ripping off this podcast, because we used to do that before you came on, sure. on this very show. Yes, talking to creators. Anyway, shall we yes. move on and actually talk about the subject at hand? How about that? How about that for the podcast novelty? Uh, it's not something we like to do very often, Yeah, but just this once. Yeah. Well, I'm in, I am enjoying Blaze in the Dark. It is, Good. you know, it's, it's a rules light system. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you're actually not playing strict Blaze in the Dark, as I understand it. So it's all gone very Daphne de Maurier. Uh, well, the first session, the first campaign I did was Blaze in the Dark. Strictly, right. I think, wasn't yes. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one is a slightly modified one based in Cornwall with Cornish smugglers and stuff. Mm. Yeah. But but the, but the first one was a much more traditional Blaze in the Dark campaign. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, if you haven't heard of Blades in the Dark, mm. essentially you the base game has you set in a city, which mm-hmm. is surrounded by a magical wall which keeps out demons who would quite like to eat your face and other yes. bits of you. If you kill people, Russ, then this is a bad thing, Russ, and it means that... I don't know what you are trying to say. 
I'm just saying that some people play cutters, Russ, and when they do, they cut a whole bunch of people and leave them dead everywhere, and that means that various bells toll, psychopomp ravens appear, and head straight towards your destination. I and never killed anyone. You can't prove a thing. Sticking to the party line, I see. Good shout, <laughs> good shout. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, um, it's you're supposed to resolve your problems with the minimal amount of violence, Russ. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's lots of shenanigans. Part of the game is, part of the themes of the game are creating devil's bargains, where you're offered the chance to do something maybe a bit better, or to do something that you might not otherwise have a chance to do, but there is a catch. Yeah, you so, get an extra dice to roll, and then yeah. the GM says, you can have an extra dice to roll, but mm-hmm. a bad thing will happen later, sort of thing. Yeah, and the smart thing to do is, of course, to always take that up. Jessica. Well, I was just going to say the basic structure, if you've not played it, just to go through it, is a, is a, a dice pool kind of situation mm-hmm. for rolling. So you yeah. have, you know, your trait and they have different ratings on it. And then you roll your dice to see if you get to do the thing at its most basic uh, level. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, mm-hmm. you have like a, you're like a gang or a group. And that's mm-hmm. a key part of the game's kind of theme. And what I really liked about it is I haven't run it as a gem, but I'm looking to. It's a very structured game. So it's got kind of four kind of key parts to Phases, it. yeah. So you pick your target. So you you choose your plan for what you're going to do as a group, and then you have you you know do flashbacks to complete the operation. So it's not like a linear thing necessarily. Um, and then you have a downtime phase when the you know you finish doing the thing that you were going to do. Mm-hmm. There's a free play mode as well where you can just RP like talk to each other, go places, do things, and things like that. So it's it's quite structured. Um, which is quite nice, and I yeah. think for me it would feel quite comfortable to run. The original is kind of structured around heists, kind of, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Whereas a lot of the spin-offs and sort of hacks aren't so much, but like the this Cornwall one, yeah, isn't yeah, so yeah. Much. But um, the original is structured kind of around heists, so you have those phases. You have your planning phase where you're getting information mm-hmm. and all the stuff you need and putting things in place. Then you have your actual operation, and you have the flashbacks yeah. to the planning phase if you need yeah. it and, and stuff like that. So it's structured around kind of like a heist movie in the way heist movies are kind of struck, mm-hmm. sort of set yeah. up in a way. As a player, I liked it because I felt like I didn't have to... Because um, some friends of mine really like um, Spycraft, and I'm not a huge fan of that because I feel like there's a big part of it where you have to sit and plan everything out and then go. Whereas in this, mm. you don't have to think about everything in advance because you can be in... I'm going to use a heist example. You can be in the heist, getting to the doors to unlock it, and you'll be like, oh, well, there's this issue with it. You need this specific thing to unlock it. And you'll be like, oh, well, that's funny because earlier, go to a flashback scene where you're doing the thing to mm. get the thing that you need. So I don't feel like you have to sit and do a really detailed plan in advance of the game happening. You can kind of, yeah. as you go, do via the flashbacks, make it work, mm. which I really yeah. liked. And I can assure you, in the games I was playing, there were no detailed plans in advance of the game. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. but, but assuming you're not playing quite such a chaotic mob, no offence. Um, a lot of tables are. <laughs> I, re- I, I recognise a chaotic mob when I see one, is all I'm saying. Um, but like... A normal thing that happens when we talk about heists is people are like, oh, I love the idea of a heist, but I can't implement it because you... S- I, I, I mean, I've spent, like, literal hours of my life planning, going over detailed maps, talking about what we're going to do, and then as soon as you start playing, it all goes out the window because someone's fluffed a dice roll or there was something that we didn't think about, mm. and then that's it, and it all just falls back into 
I guess we'd best set some stuff on fire and cause yeah. as much havoc as possible and <laughs> Everyone panics roll our and way set through it. On fire. Yeah. The plans out the window, run, panic, set things on fire. I think <laughs> I, I mean I don't know why you're laughing. Like this is this is literally the most successful plan for anything any sort of heist No, I'm laughing in, in non blazing dark. I'm laughing because, because okay. I've been in exactly that situation so many times. Yeah. We have spent oh, yeah, like an yeah. entire session planning what we're gonna do, yeah. get there, and then yeah. yeah. It all goes. Something goes wrong, yeah. and then everybody yeah. panics, and now no. we're not welcoming them to the level. I think again. kind of the beauty, but, but, but this doesn't happen of this game. Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, yeah. But it's not so much the mechanics themselves. They're they're fine. They're, they're decent yeah. mechanics. But yeah. you know, lots of games have decent mechanics. You know, yeah. you can resolve a combat. You can do this. You can resolve yeah. a task. Whatever, it's fine. Um, it's the kind of like the structure of the game with the sort of heist and the flashbacks and stuff like that, which is what sets it apart. I think mm. that's what. You could replace the actual combat mechanics with something else. And, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You know. yeah. We do yeah. love a dice I, I can't roll, even yeah. remember what dice to roll. I think it, I know it's D6s, but how many, mm. whatever. I don't really remember, but it's like the concepts behind it, which I think are it's like some of like, why I would rate John Harper as a designer, because they're just so good. Yeah. Uh, like the flashbacks we talked about, the clocks. Clocks is what I was mm. going to talk about, because that is something you can nick mm. and put in any game. Um, no, it's the clock thing. So that's more the, that's more oh, on the yeah. GM side of it. But yeah, so I I haven't seen that so much because I've been playing, not running that game. So mm. explain explain the clock. Peter, do you want to explain clocks? Oh well, yeah, sure, I can do. I came across clocks and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I love that. <laughs> that yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. Um, so the clocks. If you imagine a game of Trivial Pursuit, mm-hmm. you have these sort of round counters which you move around the board which are full of that little which you can fill up with little pie slices are they pies or are they cheeses yeah whichever whatever you prefer um, no, it's, a, a, it's an important argument but not one we'll discuss today because we're talking about progress clocks and blades in the dark please carry on peter <laughs> right okay let's 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 re- revisit that so you draw a circle and then you can split that up into quarters or six it's very popular however you want to do it and there is a start and there is a finished condition. And as you go along, then you uh, fill these up. I use them in my games of Level Up Advanced 5th Edition, or shall I be running it D&D, or what have you, or just pretty much anything, really, to keep track in campaigns of what what are the bad guys up to? Because when they get to a certain point, that when I filled up all the pie slices, something happens. Hmm. It's uh, not entirely dissimilar to a skill challenge if your sole frame of reference is D&D, but honestly, I, r- I really recommend trying it because it's uh, great fun. It's a countdown mechanic, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you can use it in the same way as a countdown mechanic. The countdown mechanic, which comes with what's old is new, is obviously the rolling dice and taking them out. Mm. That has the advantage of putting the wind up your players because it's um, it's random. And it could go off at any time. Mm. The blaze in the dark clock, the players can see that you're filling stuff in and they know that something terrible will happen when you Mm. fill in the last slice. So, you know, sort of both countdown mechanics, but both with certainly different flavours of um, increasing the psychological tension upon your players. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for creating a dynamic world where stuff is happening and you want Mm. to track stuff that's happening that your table isn't immediately engaging with for whatever reason. Mm. Well, did we mention like the basic setting for Blaze in the Dark? I mean, obviously, different hacks are different, but is kind of like a sort of I'd say pseudo Victorian magical era setting with hints of steampunk. 
I I would try and avoid steampunk just because it's one of those phrases which really lacks meaning. Hmm. It's definitely more. I mean, magic punk I could maybe see because there's magic and the punk aspects of like rebelling against authority are very much to the fore. But I feel like you lack that sort of like attempting to make your life better. This is this is you're basically it's a it's a brilliant heist simulator. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I can see where coming from with that sort of Victorian reference, but I don't yeah. know if it's also, that... steampunk has more goggles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's less goggles in Blades in the Dark and mm. more like various yeah. sharp looking knives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I quite like that. The, the, there's like um, your ability ability scores. I don't call them ability scores in this, but yeah, yeah. your equivalent of ability scores. You've got twelve of them, haven't you? Yeah. And oh. they're called things like attune, command, hunt, prowl. They're quite sort of like um, they're not not like strength, dexterity sort of thing. They're not like yeah, they're, they're almost in a way more like skills. Than, yeah, yeah, broad uh, skills. skills. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're it, it because it's because the focus is narrower. Mm. You're like looking for it's focusing on things that you might probably do in a heist. Mm. So if you decided to set up shop and I don't know, start selling cakes. It would be hard to know which one to go with. Maybe Tinker, but it's a it's a lot less clear. Yeah, it was like you know, you could probably do something. I don't know what would it be. I don't even know actually how I'd do it. Probably maybe intelligence, baking a cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Wisdom, maybe. I don't know. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got yeah. So what we've got: assume, command, consort, finesse, hunt, prowl, skirmish, study, <laughs> survey, sway, tinker, and wreck. They're yeah. the core ones, but they vary a little bit in different hacks as well. But they're the core ones, so they're just kind of like twelve broadish skills covering combat, covering all sorts of stuff, yeah. magic, covering social stuff, and um, you basically have a score in each one, which is between like one and sort of four-ish, but usually it's one or two if you have a score in it at all, and that's how many dice you roll. Mm-hmm. And basically, you roll that many dice, and you take the highest number, and that's what you've rolled. Yeah, it's basically the mechanic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, like I say, the the actual mechanics getting stuff done may be less interesting. I mm. think stuff like the stress and trauma, mm. like the consequences, like this is not the same game as Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah. Mm. Right. But it is recognised by Vince Baker and John Harper as basically fitting within the same genre. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably to do with things like, yeah, the narrative first mm-hmm. where, where things the role to find out the setting your position effect and things like uh trauma and the conditions you suffer mm. so like you know you can become cold or unstable mm-hmm. not cold isn't physically cold you're no longer moved by emotional appeals or social bonds and that's a mm. it's all about effect, like yeah. yeah it's it's like these people in these uh you know basically you're becoming traumatized out of the game Mm. So you don't necessarily die, but you um you you got to retire them to a different life or send them to prison or so forth. Mm. Yeah. And, and there's a wanted level as well, which is quite fun. Yeah. Well, well, there's um, a sort of meta game of having your crew and your base, your lair, mm, and your mm. wanted level as well is mm, mm. as a background to the whole thing, like surrounding the whole framing the whole heist thing. Yeah. Um. Because like in the one we had, our uh, our lair was a bakery. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I was I was basically a a baker, a cutter, but a baker. Um, I mean, they're different characters, so there's a bunch of different archetypes. Mm-hmm. Like the cutter is kind of is kind of like a a, a a sort of combat 
oriented one, but and I can't yeah. remember all of them. But there's there's like a whole load of different archetypes, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I played stuff like the spider. Yeah, who, and they got wonderfully yeah. evocative name. You're there, like fixing and connecting things, and um, mm. just generally being the person who talks yeah. to about stuff and fixes it out. Yeah. And there's you got like spirit ones as well who talk to the yeah. various dead ghosts. Yeah, I mean, they're basically they're called playbooks, aren't they? And you yes. get a playbook, and that's for your your archetype, as it were, your your character type. So mm. um, whatever whatever that might be, and that gives you different access to different abilities, mm-hmm. and that you can choose, and different equipment that you can have access to, and different progressions as you and you know, it kind of like guides the playbook is kind of like a, a character sheet come instruction manual on how to play your character yeah. and advance it, sort of thing. Yeah. So. If that makes sense. Because you get different things, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think yeah, there's like loads and loads of playbooks out there. I don't know what's in the core game, but I think depending on the hack and the variation you're playing, there's probably tons and tons and tons of those yeah, out there. Yeah, there must be. And once you've chosen your playbook, you still customise your character further because you choose your heritage, your background, your, yeah. your four action dots. So you choose. So just because you could have the same playbook as somebody, but you could have different characters just to just mm. so it's not completely... Uh, and you get special yeah, abilities yeah. as well, and um, you have vices, and then you have all your role-playing things, like, you know, the way you look. And um, there's also a way about creating friends and rivals and connections and things like that. Yeah, that was quite fun, actually. Yeah. I like that. So you choose one friend. Your playbook has a list of, like, four or five or six different characters, NPCs. and you choose one of them to be a friend and one to be a rival. NBC characters. And that kind of just, like into your story it helps flesh out the world a bit as well mm. um, yeah 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 no i'm enjoying i am enjoying this game i'm really enjoying like seeing the different hacks of it yeah. and how, how it's being modified to do different things which is kind of fun because the one i'm playing now is very different to what i was playing before in terms of theme and stuff like that so yeah i'm i like it i like it yeah no i mean like a lot of people do and Certainly, I, who are not the biggest into my story games, I'm like, yeah, actually, no, Blazing Dark is all right. Mm. I don't think I've had a bad game of it, to be honest. Mm. And that's even with some slightly ropey GMs. Anyway, yeah. We'll move on from that. We'll move on from that. Um, <laughs> not naming yeah, names. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know who they are. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, but loads of... it's right. It's not Russell or Jess. Don't worry, people. Yeah, I was about to say, well, it can't be me. I've not run a game for you. Like, if you were like, Jess is a bad GM, I'd be yeah. like, how would you know? <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't say that about uh, Not to my oh. face, anyway. <laughs> if, I, if I had something to say, I'll set to your face. How about that? Oh. Uh, but yeah, there's also like some really good, like, sort of hacks of it, which Evil Hat, because this is made by Evil Hat Studios. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they've done some really good hacks like uh, Scum and Villainy and Band of Blades. Mm. They've also got one called Girl by Moonlight. Yes. Now, okay, you talk about Girl by Moonlight because I can talk about these other two because I've actually played one and I've heard a lot about the other. Well, Girl by Moonlight, I've had Andrew on, the creator, Andrew uh, Gillis, on to talk Mm. about Girl by Moonlight on Not D&D. So I did a deep dive in there for about an hour talking about it. But yeah, it it used Blaze of the Dark um, for, you know, Forge in the Dark based on that system. And it's very cool, and it's about magical girls. <laughs> um, so the so it's it's basically yeah like um, girls that have special powers and transform to do kind of a thing, and that could be almost any genre that you want. So you could be Powerpuff Girls, you could be like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or you could have. But basically, you have some sort of secret identity that you change into to do stuff and things. Yeah, and it just it looks very cool, and it's yeah uses Forge in the Dark system. And I think it's just a cool way of telling stories. And it wasn't Girl by Moonlight wasn't 
necessarily something I immediately thought of, oh, for Forged in the Dark. But when I talked mm. through it, the Andrew, it made perfect sense. And I was like, oh, yeah, I see why. So Tragic Magical Girls is kind of the, um, the summary they put for that. So I was like, yes, this suits me very much. So if I run a game of Blades in the Dark, this will be the thing that I play, that I run. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I was going to run a game of Blades in the Dark, I would probably use Band of Blades. Okay. Because this is, I can't believe it's not The Black Company by Glenn Cook, which is a book from the 1980s for our younger listeners. Mm-hmm. Gets a lot of storytelling done, not very much in line with modern sensibilities in a lot of places, but I very much enjoy it. Uh, you can love problematic things, you just have to be aware of what they are. But yeah, essentially, there's been a big fight, you have lost, you are backing off against the, the armies of the undead. Mm-hmm. Time's running out, more and more fall to the indomitable forces of the Cinder King, and you've got to make it back to Sky Dagger Keep. So essentially it's got sort of almost an end condition built in. And it's sort of got like a vibe similar to Battlestar Galactica in that sense of like, you know, each week will be an episode where you're trying to do manage the next crisis, if that makes mm. sense. So yeah, uh, it's just like trying to be smart, play fast and get out of the way of the incoming doom. Mm. I think if Russ was going to run one, I think Russ would be excellent to run Scum and Villainy. I was just thinking that. It sounds like thematically that would be the one I'd enjoy, yeah. I mean, Space it's Wars. basically, yeah, I, I basically the version I played, it was it was Star Wars, right? Yeah. And they just like, you know, it, the, the guy was reading at a convention and so he didn't bother filing off the serial numbers. It's just like, yeah, here's the Millennium Falcon. This is how it's, this is its stats. <laughs> well, I probably prefer it to the current Star Wars, official Star Wars RPG. Oh, really? Yeah, what's the current official one? Just... Well, it's that, it's that one with all the... Oh, the dice, Genesis system. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah, the dice. Yeah. I do not, the dices, I do not like them. Yeah, the dices are not nices. Maybe maybe mm. this will be the thing for you. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, yeah. I, I I played it, had a great time, and I even managed to get in a... Oh, well, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but consider this, I am holding a thermal detonator. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeah. I totally was. It was br- brilliant, um, yeah. but good one shot. Don't know if I'd have uh, been able to do more. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this, so that's a three official. Yes, of it, isn't it? Yeah. But there's yeah. like tons and tons of um, third oh, party. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yes. I'm sure there's lots Loads of great ones. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know so much about them because I've only played Scamander, and, mm. and I've only had people tell me about Panda Blades. Mm. Which is why I think that'd be fun. Uh, now I've met someone who knows a bit about Magical Girls, so there you go. Ooh, what's this one? Dogs in the Bark. There you go, Russ is ready. Dogs in the Bark? Oh, what is this? I'll, I'll drop Django around and you can what? run a game <laughs> for the kids. Dogs in the Bark, wow. Perfect. Oh, um, right, yes. Perfect for, you know, yeah. your two little fluff babies behind you there who like to bark. Mm. There you go. Give them a good role-playing game and that'll help calm them down. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at Dogs in the Park now. Oh, by Tim Denny, Dog Blink on Twitter. Oh, this does look pretty cool. So, that's very nice looking and well really out. Something. If you know Tim, let him know that he's won the heart of Russ Morrissey. So, good work, Tim. Just just put a dog in there and it's done, really. It's, it's done. Just put a dog in it. That's why I mentioned my dog in my covering letter when I applied for the job, literally. Uh, <laughs> and it worked. Big, big brain thinking. Big brain thinking. Yeah. I feel manipulated. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Uh, anyway, so, 
Do we, have any, do we have any closing thoughts on Blades in the Dark as we go into our time? My, no, my, no, no. I my mean, general thing is uh, I quite uh, like it. I like the mechanics. I think it's uh, some of the bits in it I, I want to steal and put in other games. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to run it because I don't know if I'm quite that tuned into it. I know mm. I really enjoy playing it and it's full of great ideas, which I 100% will and do steal because I love mm. heists, but I'm generally due to circumstances, more in the D20 way of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So things like the flashback mechanics, I'm like, just let's just play and we'll do you a just, flashback. You can, you can just whack flashback into anything. Mm. Easily, equal to yeah. intelligence mod minifier. Mod, equal to intelligence modifier, minimum one. And then I'm done. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, let's go. Yeah. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of stuff that you can do with it. No, it's... it's. Uh, you could spend inspiration on a flashback. Maybe you could. Yeah, mm, why not? I, I've done that before as well, yeah. Like, you know, spend inspiration. Or if I was running again, you pay me a tenner and I'll let you have a flashback. That'd be a wow. good way okay. to do it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay, That's a living crisis. Um, but, shall, shall, yeah. shall, we, shall we just ride this up now before we're still there? Oh, just saying, what, what, what would we say is our each of our favourite thing about Blades in the Dark, then? Is a standout thing about that game for you? I would say clocks, because I've, ye- I've picked that and yeeted it into other games. Yeah, okay, cool. Peter? I'm going to have to say the flashbacks because okay. they just save me from sessions of pointless planning mm. and let us get on with the heisting. Um, and yeah. I'm all about getting on with your playing. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. Um, I, I was going to say flashbacks, but since you got there Ooh. first, I am going to say I quite like that allies and enemies thing mm. that they do, mm. which is a very simple concept, and you can put that in any game as mm. well. Just have a list of people. One's an ally, one's an enemy, and yeah. You can you can call on them, or the GM can call yeah. on them as as they wish. And, and there's also a detailed city map. Yeah, the setting yeah. itself. Yeah, which, which is like I've seen people actually using it and really drawing upon that because mm. it's like down to the street level. It is. It's like you don't have to like you know. I do enjoy where you are able to make stuff up. So I guess that's sort of my the, the thing that would make me not want to run it mm. is because it's got a setting and law. And I'd have to learn it, but I don't know if they. I don't know if it's quite so much that I'd be that bothered by it. To be honest, yeah. I don't mm. know. You've divorced the system from that, though. The system itself, would you say, is? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, clearly you can, mm. but like just have it. I don't. I'm not competent. I think to put my own my own setting on top of it. Mm. I don't really have the grasp of the sort of things that it would deal with. Because I guess it deals with things like tragedy. And trauma has endpoints, mm. which fundamentally is antithetical to the way I approach gaming. I don't fundamentally enjoy that sort of thing. I enjoy the avoidance of it in the games I played, but I certainly haven't played for as long as you have in like in that many sessions. Like my sessions have been like a short sprint here, short sprint here, uh, like yeah, with the occasional one shot. So like playing out a full campaign, I I definitely wouldn't want to do that as a GM. I'm really ambivalent about it as a player mm-hmm. now that we're talking about it. Yeah. And that's so weird. Like a one shot, yeah, absolutely. Let's go all day, every day. Good times. But like that sort of ending knowing that it's all going to end in tragedy. I just don't like tragedies. Like I, I, guess... I didn't realise that was that was a, a staple of the game because that hasn't happened to either. I, the I game don't think it play. has to be. I think the mechanics with this. St- I know what you mean because the stress mechanics allow yeah. you. To, so you can do cool stuff, uh, but you take some stress. And then when you get the stress, you yeah. get when you fill up your stress thing, you yeah. get a trauma. So 
I think it is inevitable playing a long campaign, you're going to have some slightly traumatised characters with some trauma in them. Uh, But I also think that's a great reason why I haven't offered this GM for you, Peter, because my last campaign, I literally said to people, we're going to sit in a room and cry a lot, was a part of the brief. And I was like, I know, Peter does not want to do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, so yeah. yeah, so... Maybe when I'm not playing a, a miserable game, I can invite you. <laughs> Maybe the One Ring or something that. Although the One Ring is quite sad. But anyway, <laughs> off the point. What can, what can I say? Enjoy my uh, games where there is hope, yeah. and uh, you overcome against great odds. That is yeah, a theme that that's a nice story. Will continue to appeal to me. Yeah. 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 The, the, the combat in Days in the Dark is quite simple as well, isn't it? Oh so yeah. You've got a skirmish score, and you've got a, what's the other one? you got a couple of skills that you sure. can use for combat, yeah. basically. One's yeah. for ranged and one's for melee. It's skirmish and something. I can't remember what it is. It's, and you just roll that many dice and if you hit, you're... Yeah. You're not doing a round-by-round round thing. It's more of a scene-by-scene. Scene, yeah. Would you say that's yeah. fair? It feels yeah. more yeah. cinematic than um, yeah. tactical. Like, you don't... Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, you know... Look, we'll put it this way. You could bring out minis and a battle map. But why? But, yeah, what's the point? <laughs> Mm. I mean, it looks nice. You could have it like has a sort of a like a conversation piece yeah. almost. Like a diorama. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be like a diorama to pose in various mm. places. Sure. But this is not a gridded game. No. no. And I No, no one my character didn't say how fast I could move or anything oh, like that. God. Or, or yeah, what, yeah. what I could do in one turn or anything. It's like not, like putting yeah. this game on a grid would do it a massive disservice. Mm. Do not do that, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I really enjoy this chat because I think um it's interesting talking about other games because I think it's so important mm. for people to play and try different games. Even if you mm. know, for example, D D is your game, you love that, you want to play that yeah. constantly. Yeah. I think it's always good to try different things because you'll get little bits from other games that you're like, oh, you know, this whole game isn't for me. But this tiny mm. moment I might pick and take and put it in this other game um so i think playing different games is it just makes you a better gm make, make, and it makes you a better yeah. player i think so i think yeah. trying yeah. random stuff with one shots if you get the opportunity is well, especially for rules like game. games like this that you can pick up in a few exactly, minutes exactly exactly like, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so uh, yeah it's not like D where you have to it, 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 there's, a, there's a learning curve yeah like with this there's a, there's not much of one is there it's like yeah, once you've been playing it for 15 minutes you pr- you kind of yeah. know how it works great great for a one shot so I'd say I'd highly recommend Blaze in the Dark if you get the chance to sit in a one shot and give it a try would highly recommend you do that hmm. well there you go there we go Brilliant. are we done then have we covered this so. in exhaustive detail we have and if you'd like and to know more if you in the show notes there's blazeinthedark.com with all the rules in there and this time yeah. next week to the very minute Yes, Kickstarter will be ending and we will be watching it live on the air. We'll watch those little fireworks go off on the Kickstarter page. That's always fun to do. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I mean, that's why I set it for the day because I started it on Tuesday. But I thought, well, I'll just finish it then because it'd be a nice end to the week. Nice. Right then, let's get out of here. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter.
Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Well, have I got the, the wrong way around? Anyway, moving on. Hmm. What else is in the news? Right. I don't know if the <laughs> listeners can hear The listeners can probably hear this. I know you... you, you but... Um, Marvin is kind of going ballistic at the door there. Right. And I can't, I can't let him out because there's things going on on the other side of the door that Halloween costume creation. Halloween costume creation. He would not be welcome at, but he's going ballistic and barking. And uh, so, uh, to the listeners, I'm sorry, there's not a lot I can do about it. Well, while he's doing this, shall Peter and I talk a bit so Daryl can just filter out the chaos that is your current office? Um, Yeah. Well, it's going to be. I think it's probably going to be for most of the uh, most of the show. So. Oh, amazing. The canine chaos and catastrophe. Okay, yeah. so it's time for me and Jessica to earn our pay and do the heavy lifting. Are you getting wait, paid? Wait, I ain't. <laughs> no, wait, what? 